Hello, everybody. Welcome to another BitVault podcast. Today, I have someone special for you, and it's close to my heart because he's another miner. I usually don't have miners on the pod, so very exciting. I have Denver Bitcoin on. How you doing, bro? Doing good, man. <clears throat> Glad to be here. Glad to uh, set some time apart. I can't believe it took us this long to actually sit down and record something. I agree, man. I'm, I'm so happy you come on the pod. I, I, I never talk to miners. That's the thing, man. So when I do get a miner on the pod, I get so excited. Uh, I think the last one I had, he's not really a miner. He's more of like a pool operator. I had Ethan Vera of Luxor Pool. Uh, that was the last, but that was a long time ago. Anyways, man, how are you doing? What are you up to? How's your life been treating you? Man, it's been a great, great week. Um, I just got I just got uh, a job at Upstream Data, so I just joined the team there with uh, Steve Barber and Ryan Dutton. Um, so I'm literally like when I started, like I just started this week, and I'm I'm ecstatic to, at the opportunity to go work with some oil and gas operators here in the United States, help solve their problems, you know, help try to save them some money as well as get regulators off, off their back and, and reduce the scrutiny to their business, allow them to be more efficient. Um, and we, we do all that by mining Bitcoin. So, you know, I, it's the dream job in my opinion, this is something I invested in a couple of years ago. I um, invested in, you know, the infrastructure to mine Bitcoin on a, uh, using flared gas on an oil and gas well. And, you know, the ability to, to go kind of full time and, and be able to take it head on and, and actually offer a solution to, to operators is like, I mean, a dream job. And beyond that, I wanted to work in this industry, but you know, if I, if I were to put the companies in an order of who I wanted to work for upstream data was number one. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm on cloud nine and, and Bitcoin's at 36 grand and things are really good. And I'm so happy to hear that. And man, I know the feeling, I know the feeling it took me like two or three years myself, uh, to really go full time, uh, you know, I had to kind of supplement the income with real estate and myself. And then, you know, when I was able to go full time, you know, hosting, it was it was an incredible feeling. So congratulations, man. That's that's awesome news. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll say this, too. It's even more so than Bitcoin is, you know, once I entered the oil and gas industry, I realized I really liked the energy industry. Um, and that was kind of late 2017, early 2018. Like I, I, I realized I you know, I might bounce around a little bit, but, you know, when I want to start a career, I want it to be either tangential or directly related to, to upstream oil and gas, because I, I find it to be just a great industry full of phenomenal human beings. The, the level of character that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, you know, dealing with operators and pumpers and engineers. Um, I mean, these are some of the, you know, the smartest and most honest, practical human beings, you know, I've ever met. And, and it's a breath the fresh air and in a world that's a digital world, especially that seems to be, you know, so chaotic, uh, so opinionated and so oftentimes disrespectful and crude, right? I mean, Bitcoin is certainly, you know, not, not foreign to this, but you know, the, the level of just interpersonal respect and um, you know, these people care about making the world a better place. These are innovators, right? These are people that, that literally want to like, you know, light up a city. Like, you know what I mean? They, they want to power the world. And uh, it's it's a dream tr- come true because of Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin and mining, but it's, it's a dream come true because I do love the energy industry. I love oil and gas. And yeah, it's, you know, the, I'm almost at a loss for words at, at how pumped I am about this. So <laughs> incredible, incredible. So I completely, man, the, I would say energy production and, and Bitcoin is like a match made in heaven in my opinion, but I, I kind of want to hear more about you, man. Tell me about your, your Bitcoin journey. What class are you? How did you first run into it? And uh, when did you start connecting the dots, you know, between, uh, man, look, I, I have a background in, in energy. Uh, when, when did you feel like you could offer something to the Bitcoin network? Well, <laughs> You know, my story is kind of interesting in that way, maybe atypical. I, I initially, you know, I said I, I got into oil and gas around end of 2017, early 2018. Um, I'd, I'd been given an opportunity by a great guy um, who owns a, a software company or a partner in a, in a software company that helps oil and gas operators um, 
you know, do their production accounting, right? So it's like a, an accounting software, but rather than for money, it's for, for different, you know, volumes of water and barrels of oil and things. Um, and he just had a small software company that was successful and healthy. And he wanted to, um, you know, actually kind of go out and, and sell the software, like go to oil and gas conventions and start talking with um, upstream operators rather where, where they currently were sitting is, you know, they had a good bit of clients and that was just kind of by word of mouth, but they were really small. No one was really actively trying to like do business development. And so, um, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm an older guy. I don't got the energy to go to eight oil and gas conferences all over the country. He's like, I need somebody that, you know, that, that that's passionate and, and uh, willing to learn something and go and go sell it. So um, he, him and wait, I just wait, had wait, a chance wait. encounter. He actually came into. Um, Hold on. I, I lost you for a second. So, so, so this, oh. what, what year was this? This was the end of 2017, mid 2017 or so. And so I got into oil and gas and then, you know, fast forward to like January of 2018, I was, I had actually started the job and I was sitting at a computer every day, um, you know, at least for the most part with a bunch of screens up. And I remember reading an article about how the Bitcoin bubble had popped, right? How the scam was, was over because it was crashing from 20,000 to, I think at that point it was like at nine or something like it just passed through 10. And, you know, I, I, I'd been told about Bitcoin you know, four or five years prior to this. Um, but I, I, it, I wasn't sold on it. Right. I had a really good friend that, that tried to sell me on it. And I foolishly, right. Kind of shrugged it off as interesting, but likely a scam. And ultimately what it was is I, I never understood how it was produced. Right. And now, and so when I was reading these articles, I kind of set out on a mission to, to prove the scam. Right. I kind of was like, I wonder how this, you know, because that's what it was in my mind. I was like, I wonder how this thing worked and how it was produced. And so I looked into mining and then I learned about, you know, how thermodynamic law relates to computer science. I learned about what a hash is, a, a computational hash as it refers to work. And, you know, really how you can't generate a computational hash without some amount of electricity. You can, you know, in great amounts, you can, you can take the amount of computational hashes generated and divide it by the electricity and you can approach zero. I mean, you can get really close, but you cannot get there, right? Law. The, the laws of the universe tell us you can't. And so a proof of work consensus mechanism like Bitcoin um, makes a lot of sense once you understand that. And, and that's what happened to me is I understood that. And then I realized, you know, in, in the midst of, of trying to prove or understand how this scam operated, I, I figured out it wasn't. I figured out that it actually was an open and competitive energy market in many ways, um, an energy consumption market and a highly efficient one, I, I might add. So you know, I, I kind of had this aha moment and, and every day I was dealing with oil and gas operators who were, and I was helping them with their production accounting. And I was seeing how much energy they were literally just lighting on fire. They were flaring in the, in the, you know, oil and gas field. And for those who don't know, um, this is a very common practice where oil and gas operators and they're producing crude oil. And in the, in that production, natural gas often comes with it. And it's, it's, very likely or, or often the case that these wells are geographically located in a place where they have absolutely no connection to, to main infrastructure. In other words, they don't have a pipeline and they could build a pipeline, but that costs so much money and you have to do, you know, so many, so many regulatory hurdles, just it's, it doesn't make sense for how much gas is going to come out with the oil. It's a lot of, it's a lot of gas, but it's not enough to justify, you know, a 500,000 to $55 million pipeline, you know, it's, it, you're never going to make your money back. So they have, you know, they have a couple options. They could just not produce the well. And that's not really an option because that crude is very valuable. Um, and they can make a lot of money on, on the oil that they, they can produce, or they can light the gas on fire and sometimes even incur a regulatory cost. So it'll cost them money to burn the gas, but they're making so much money on the oil. It's just a cost of doing business and they, you know, it's still profitable. And so they do it. They, they burn their, they burn this energy. Um, and so, you know, I, I was helping them account for that because they have to report to the state how much energy they flared and how much they didn't and how many, you know, how much oil they produced and blah, blah, blah. So I was seeing all these volumes and it just was so amazing to me that, you know, they, that this very useful, very sweet methane oftentimes 
was just being burned. They were, it's like lighting money on fire. It's, it's worse than lighting money on fire. I mean, energy is, energy is really the, the currency of the universe. And, you know, beyond the fact that it was economically just a, a disaster, it was just a tragedy that there was no solution to this. And I looked into, you know, why and, and what it comes down to is just that there's never been an economic solution. Um, you know, LNG facilities are really costly. And again, you, you have to have the volumes to justify such a, a high upfront cost. And, you know, it's, it's the nature of natural gas. It's, it's hard to store. Um, it's hard to transport without a pipeline. I mean, you can't just like, you know, put it into a semi truck tanker and try to like, I mean, you could, but again, you wouldn't make your money back on how much it would cost you to, to truck the gas somewhere. So, um, Bitcoin mining, you know, generating power on site and mining Bitcoin is just such a practical solution for them. It's a way in which for any of these, these operators to bring that energy to market and do it in an economic way, right? They can bring that energy to market in many ways, but most of them, at some point, all of them are, are not economic. This is an economic way at any scale. And it's, it's perfect harmony for, for these upstream, these, these upstream operators. I absolutely agree. I, I think that there's so much isolated energy around the world that's been completely untapped that it's it's a no-brainer, you know, because now we figured out how to monetize that. And before there was really no way to monetize it. It was just wasted energy, exactly what you said. Um, but man, I, I'm I'm very interested. What you said, Denver, was very interesting to me because everyone has like a different journey, right? Uh, you know, everyone has kind of like this eureka moment with Bitcoin, but with you, it's very interesting because you kind of looked at it from, uh, from like a thermodynamic standpoint, from an energy standpoint. And once you understood the, 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 how proof of work, uh, you know, how, how it functions, just a light bulb went off on your head. How do you describe to me how you felt when you figured that out? Well, I'll say this. So when I had the kind of that initial idea, when, when I felt like I, Bitcoin was real, like it was actually something that was economically sound. Um, I mean, that was like a daunting moment because you realize, or at least, I mean, I had realized before, but you're forced to confront the fact that you, you know, the game is a scam, right? The dollar game is a scam that you're getting robbed. Right. And you're participating in your own, your own robbery. Um, and that's like a, you know, that's a, it's an upsetting time. A lot of people, I think, oh, wait, wait, like, wait, immediately hold, reject it. Hold right? on a second, because I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, little confused. So because, because of your understanding of how energy works, that led you to the, to well, the, no, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, so that so led like, you to the conclusion that the dollar was a scam? Well, no, what it led me to the conclusion that, that Bitcoin was actually sound money, right? That was a sound network, right? That it was a, a better way of, of producing money. And from that, you then are forced to understand, like you forced to think about like, well, how is money produced today? Like okay, how is I, my I, other I, money? I, I get it. So, right. Yeah. So, so for yeah. you understanding that Bitcoin was sound money and it was based on something finite, it was based on energy, right? Uh, you kind of came to the conclusion. It's like you come to the natural conclusion. You're like, wow, so dollars really are a scam, you know, because it's literally coming out of nowhere. That makes a whole lot of sense. Man, that's very interesting, Denver. I've never heard someone come come through that journey. So, uh, man, I'm already I'm, I'm already enjoying the hell out of this conversation. And, and man, what, what you were saying earlier, Denver, I'm curious, you know, because I, I don't come from the, the energy producing sector myself. I'm, I, you know, we mine from the grid, we have good relations in the town that we're located and we have very attractive electricity costs, but how, uh, how much interest do you see from the oil and gas producers? How much interest do you see them like, do you see them being attracted to something like Bitcoin mining? Oh, definitely. For the reasons I just stated, I mean, it's just a very practical solution, but let me get to that. So, I mean, I'll, let me, uh, let, let me say that when I realized Bitcoin is real, I mean, I did have that aha moment, but I needed to, I needed to be able to um, calculate whether or not it was ac economic to actually, you know, mine Bitcoin in the oil field. Right. I mean, I needed to, to actually be able to run the numbers. Otherwise, I mean, I, I, right at the moment I had this, this, the thought like, oh, it's possible. Um, but is it economic? And so 
then I had to figure out, you know, how much electricity you could generate based upon, you know, how much gas and, and how much does it cost to, you know, generate electricity using natural gas? What does a natural gas generator look like? And uh, can you run them all the time and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I needed to figure all that out. And then I, I got to a point where I did figure those numbers out and I realized, wow, this is incredibly economic relative to a pipeline. I mean, the pipeline guys are in trouble. They're, they're in real big trouble. They've got to compete with this, with this other means by which to sell natural gas. I mean, they don't, they don't have that chokehold on the market like they used to. It used to be, you know, if you, if you mined, if you, if you drilled a well and you found, um, you know, an absolute ton of sweet methane, like you were going to be subject to the pipeline guys one way or the, another, like either today or, you know, 10 years down the road when you decide to actually produce that, that well. So, you know, th- this increases competition and it's totally in the, the best interest of the operators, especially the, the small to midsize operators who have just a, you know, a little bit of gas. They're, all, they're not making a ton of, uh, you know, money on the, even the oil they're producing. It's just, you know, maybe they inherited the wells. Maybe they're a wild catter family. Um, you know, they're, they're generational, um, you know, oil producers, and this is just a way for them to, to be more efficient. Um, and so like, that, that was really exciting, but in, you got to remember this was 2018 and price was crashing. And so when I went to my bosses and I, after I ran these numbers and I presented them this idea, I was like, Hey guys, I think like, like I, I think there's this really big opportunity with, you know, this magic internet money. Um, I, I, you know, I was like, I think we can bring stranded and wasted energy to market economically by, by mining Bitcoin. I mean, they open mouth laughed in my face is the way I say it. I mean, they, like, I could see the molars in their mouth when they were laughing and I could, I, I can hear the echo of it today. You know, it was, I like, it was hilarious to them, maybe for good reason. Right. I mean, I was, I was a young kid. I was brand new to the oil and gas industry for all intents and purpose. Um, yeah. I mean, I had you know, I had assimilated quite quickly and I, I'm a fast learner, but, you know, still I, I come in and I have the solution to, to this 120 year old problem of, of stranded gas. And, you know, it's, it's using this magic internet money. I mean, that's a funny thing, um, I think from their perspective. So I don't blame them, not one bit. I, I don't hold any, you know, bad blood or anything, but it was kind of a wake up call for me to have to go really prove this to myself. Like, okay, so either I'm so off base that it, it, it is funny or like this, or they're just, they're close-minded and I'm, I'm right. And, you know, I just went back, I'd run the numbers a million different ways at a million different scales and they were wrong, right? I mean, I just, I knew that they were wrong. So, you know, I, I, I loved that job. I worked there for, I think about 13 months, 14 months and um, not very long. And then I went and got another job that paid me a little bit more money and I needed a little bit more money because I was raising capital to, to invest in this process. I ended up, um, you know, looking for somebody to, to build the infrastructure I would need to do this. And I couldn't find anybody until finally I found upstream data who I'm now working for. Right. So, um, I found Steve Barber and he was, he was really early on. It was, I think it was like his, you know, they started really doing it in early 2017. So he was like a year in, but he was just starting to ramp up and come out with products and, uh, you know, I found him and communicated with him and God, it was a breath of fresh air to talk to him because he had this, he, he was like, he was miles ahead of where, of where I was in thought, right? He had, he had had these moments like a years ago and went and proved it to himself already. And like, because of, because he's a petroleum engineer and he's, he works in oil and gas up in Canada, like he had access and he was able to prove this concept, you know, long before anybody else was really like thinking about it. So, I mean, it, talking to him, it just reaffirmed my my conviction. I ended up flying up there and seeing you know the shop and making sure that everything was real before I invested money. You know, just as out of due diligence, and I'm I'm glad I did because it it showed me that you know, like I, I it was it was confirmation bias in the sense of like because you know Steve is an oil and gas guy, he was just like everyone else that I dealt with in the oil and gas industry. He was so you know upfront, honest, and just even keel, right? Like never gives you, never, you know, exaggerates a number in a, in a direction that, that, (laughs) you know, just to make you feel like excited or something. He's just so, you know, practical and, and, uh, straightforward that I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, this is, this is a great opportunity to take some financial risk. Um, but then, you know, this was the time when oil and gas operators, they didn't want to spend money on magic internet money machines. 
to sell their their stranded gas issue. Right? Yeah, so they didn't so, want to part so, with a whole bunch of capital. So speaking so, of that, Denver. So speaking of that, t- t- break down the because man, I- I'm telling you, I've heard of this many times. Okay, I've I've heard of using you know, uh, basically uh, excess energy and converting that into basically it just, you know, basically converting that to Bitcoin mining, but break down the economics for me, because I, I, I don't understand it. Like, for example, like, does it, is it more, does it, does it give more bang for their buck for, 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 uh, you know, an oil and gas menu or producer to, spend money on miners because you, you know how it is it's very expensive man the the necessary infrastructure uh you know the 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 airflow management you know the heat management all that stuff like does it make sense for uh oil and gas producers to spend money on on bitcoin mining versus just paying the fees or whatever to flare the gas like does it does it make economical sense that's a great that's a great question um and it's it's that question alludes to a, a much greater point that of how Bitcoin really um, improves the world, and I, I can get to that. But let me answer your question in terms of the economics. I, we're, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get to Denver. Don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get that's there. literally where I, I kind of you know because I think Ross Stevens really hit the nail on the head yesterday when he was at the microstrategy. I still haven't conference. watched Ross Stevens Ross Stevens part, but, um, but I've seen I, some clips. I haven't watched it all the way through yet. I'll get to that. And, you know, we'll talk about how it's going to, I think, you know, perhaps you disagree with me, how this is going to radically change energy production, in my opinion, right? Um, Yeah, and the world. And the world. And the world. I completely agree. And we'll get to that in a second. But I'm, I'm very interested on the economics of it, you know, because there's always pros and cons, right? So what are the economics? What are the what are the economics? And then what are the concerns that you get from producers? Okay, so we'll put it this way. Um, a lot of there, there's a lot of variables that go into to you know generating power on site and things. But just from a real kind of high level point of view, in, in t- 2018 when I got involved, um, you know these these operators aren't feeling all that much pain. They might be feeling some pain from the regulators in terms of what they're getting charged for the gas that they're flaring, but it's not all that much pain, especially if they're producing a good amount of oil, because, you know, if you're, if you're making like $10,000 a month or $20,000 a month, um, but you, you know, you, it's like $120 or something in fees for, for gas. Again, it's just a cost of doing business. They'd be like, yeah, I'm, it's awful. And yeah, they raise the fees every two years or something. And yeah, like there's the threat of them trying to shut us down because our flared gas, but like really we're not feeling that much pain. So it's a great question because, you know, at the time uh, the price of Bitcoin was maybe about $6,000 by the time I was actually, you know, getting money together to um, invest in this process. And, you know, the computers and the data centers and engines, um, they're familiar with power generation on site, right? Generating power on an oil and gas site, that's nothing new. Uh, they do it all the time to, to power their other equipment. So they know how much these generators cost and how much natural gas engines cost. And especially if like, you know, it's large scale, you're talking about turbine engines, they can be very costly, but they're aware of that cost already. And so, you know, it's not very attractive to, when Bitcoin was at, you know, was this failing you know, concept is digital Mario money. And uh, you come to them like, hey, I have this solution that where you can solve your your natural gas problem. By the way, it's going to cost you like $300,000 in equipment of these magic internet money equipment, you know, devices in their minds. And so like that wasn't very attractive. And so, you know, it would be the same thing as coming to them and saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, I can solve your natural gas issue. I'm going to I'm going to store it into these complex batteries that I've built. And, you know, just some off the wall explanation that really you're, all you're doing is selling them on this, this BSI idea. And they've heard it all before when it comes to, to flared gas, they've heard all these people come in and try to solve this problem and it almost never pans out. So like, they don't even give me the time. They, they wouldn't even give me the time of day. I even tried to make some phone calls back in 2018. And it was, it was a lot of just hangups and a lot of maybe even laughter. So um, that's just kind of where they were coming from. But the good news was if you called them and you said, Hey, I, I have a way in which to, you know, reduce your flared volumes, right. Help, help solve this pain. And it costs you nothing up front. Um, all you got to do is allow me to have like, 
you know, take up a little footprint on your site, plumb into your flare line, and I'll consume as much gas as I can and reduce the the amount of gas that actually makes it to your flare. Okay, so let and me let me stop you. Let me go. stop. Let me stop you right there. So it's not the actual producer, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. I'm just trying to get an understanding right. of how this is, and I'm sure people are going to want to know is here who the the people that are listening to this. So it, it's not the actual gas producer that is doing the miner mining themselves. It's someone else. It's someone like you. Is that what well, no, no. so, correct to say? What in, in 2018, this is how I got into it, was there was this, this void in the market. So you got to look at it from risk, right? So if it was the oil and gas operator that was going to buy all of you know, the equipment, the miners, the, and everything, and part with that capital, well, they're the ones taking the risk that this Bitcoin thing is actually going to give them money back, right? And, and at the time in 2018, that was not very attractive risk. They weren't willing to stomach that risk or even even take the energy to but go understand what, I, what that I, risk what, entails. Right? Where's the risk though, Denver, right? Because it's like the risk, I, like- Well, it's I capital risk. I mean, you have to buy the engines, you have to buy the computers, like no, you have to get the money. I, I understand that, but it's it's not really right? it's not really a risk, right? Because you, you're- well, in the, their the, mind, the, the, in their the, mind, you know. The risk would be- You gotta remember, I mean, you, you're coming to them and telling them, and <laughs> you're telling them that, that they can go buy a really expensive engine generate electricity and turn on some computers and it's and that you know three hundred thousand dollars they spent to do that it they're going to be able to justify it in, in some time because so, of this magic internet money called bitcoin so you, it's you got to remember who these people are i mean these are oil and gas operators they, they, this it's is a, yeah it's these a are guys that are uh, it's a know. perceived risk it's a perceived risk but i wouldn't actually label well, no, it a risk no any no no well yeah maybe well no it's definitely a risk. I mean, anytime you're parting with capital, there's a risk. I mean, you might think of it as a guarantee. No, 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 no. Like, you know, it's just, you know. Nothing's a guarantee, man. But I don't see, and and perhaps, and and forgive me, Denver, perhaps I'm seeing it from, you know, because I'm perhaps I'm seeing it from purely my bias, right? And my bias is very simple. The risk for me is what's my cost of electricity, right? And if the cost of electricity is just, it's too high, then it's too much of a risk, then I'm basically gambling on the price of Bitcoin uh, going higher or the hash rate, uh, you know, the, the hash rate going lower or the difficulty, you know, well, no, going no, lower so you're, and, you're, and, and all that stuff. So too far ahead. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm go, step back, step back. So like, step back when you buy a miner, right? You just took risk, right? Like, with the, the second that you send the money, if, right, you're if, taking risk that they're going to send it to you. That you're taking risk that you're going to be able to actually take get that money back. That's if what I'm I buy, about. If That's I, basic if, capital risk. If I buy a miner, and again, I'm telling you this from the bias perspective, just because I'm trying to understand. But if I buy a miner, my risk is what is my power cost? If my power costs are near zero, or that energy was going to be wasted anyways, then what is what exactly is the risk? You know, you're buying a miner, right? And then you're setting up that miner to make you Bitcoin, right? So is it perceived risk in their eyes because they don't have any experience? No, it's actual capital risk. I mean, like they're a business with a balance sheet. Like they, this, is, this is capital allocation and there's a risk associated with any allocation of capital, right? And so they just looking at it from a basic risk standpoint of, Hey, I mean, as a business, anytime you spend money doing something, you, you think, why are we spending a dollar here? Like, and then you measure how many dollars are we getting back from the dollars we're spending here? It's the whole point of, hey, how many dollars are we going to spend to drill this well? I mean, they take risk when they drill a well, right? What if they don't hit enough oil to, to justify how much it costs to drill it, right? I mean, and, and what they do is they come to a bank and they say, hey, bank, look, we, we know that there's oil here because we own a well here, here, and here. And if we're able to go here, we can tap in and we can really you know, help extract from here. And the bank will go, oh, okay, based upon that risk, we'll give you money to go drill that well. And the same thing with this is from a risk standpoint, it's like, hey, if, if we're going to spend $300,000, okay, like, like what, what, is, what risk do we have of, of not getting our return or of, of like, you know, what is the capital risk of that? How do we justify making this? And by the way, okay, then let's try to measure out when are we going to get our money back exactly, right? And so those, it's just a matter of, from a business point of view, looking at it, it's almost a non-starter because they have to rely on this magic internet money thing that they, they maybe never even heard of. You got to remember, I mean, 2017 happened, Nico. Not everybody, even today, so many people don't even really, they're like, oh, is Bitcoin still around? Like, I mean, maybe the, enough headlines have gone around because we broke new all-time highs and stuff. But 
in 2018 when it was back at 6,000, 5,000 bucks into 2019. I mean, they, they maybe heard about it. Um, it was starting to, you know, even there were some echoes throughout the oil and gas industry that some guys were doing this, but they, they would even still say like, yeah, those guys are stupid. They're taking, you know, they're, they're what they spent half a million bucks on these magic computers that are going to make them money. Like that's honestly like their point of view. And so that that's the only reason I was able to get involved was because if I came to them and I said, Hey, I can solve your gas problem, period. Like, and, and like no capital risk to you because I'm going to be, I'm willing to bring my own capital buy buy these magic boxes that are really expensive buy the generator that, you know, is really expensive. And if it all, you know, blows up or like, you know, this magic internet money becomes worthless, like you, they think it, you know, is, um, then no harm to you. I just helped you solve your gas problem until my magic internet money, you know, became worthless. Um, so I helped you out for, you know, maybe a year or something. Um, so like, you know, to them, it was like, there's no downside. It was like, yeah, I guess, yeah, let the guy run his engine on our gas. If he, if he wants to, if he wants to buy a bunch of equipment and just generate electricity, like, Hey, you know, saves us some money and gets the regulators off our back. Everyone's happy. So what um, does that now cost we're getting you? to the point? What does that cost you, Denver? What, what does that cost? Oh, what, I mean, it could, so what do they charge you, for example, for using their excess gas? Well, that's what I'm telling you is that like we're solving their problems. So you, why would they pay me anything? I mean, uh, why that's would incredible. I, I mean, why would I, right? So, I mean, why would I pay anything? Um, no, but that's, that's the point is that there was a, a unique opportunity for a third party. I would call myself, I would consider myself a third party in this situation to come in and say, hey, th- there's an awesome solution, but the person that has the problem isn't willing to take the risk to solve the, the problem, but I am. And so that way, you know, well, the guy's happy if I solve this problem and, and I'm not, tra- I mean, honestly, there's companies that come in and combust your gas and they charge you, right? So up in North Dakota, it's possible to get paid to mine Bitcoin, right? Because you're actually solving them such a problem that they can produce more oil because they have to shut their wells down on the 25th day of the month because they already met the maximum capacity of their flare limit, right? So they get to this point where they literally have to shut their well down because they're flaring too much gas. And it's like, so the, think about the amount of dollars they're losing per day by not being able to, to pull that, you know, $55 per barrel crude out of the ground. You come in and you can charge them to mine Bitcoin. Right? This, is, this is how harmonious these two industries come together is that, but, but you know, at some point they're not going to pay you. They'll just do it themselves. They'll go buy all the stuff and they'll just mine Bitcoin. And that's, and that's where we're getting to now is operators are, start, you know, oil and gas producers are starting to take a lot more serious look because the guys that were that were t- using their waste gas to mine Bitcoin during 2020 look a lot smarter than the guys that weren't. And so this is a matter of, hey, my competitor is actually a better oil and gas operator than I am because he's better utilizing his, his hydrocarbons that he's producing. I mean, he's, t- he's bringing a higher percentage of his energy to market than I am because he you know, was open-minded enough to take this, this capital risk and go mine this magic internet money that actually might be something serious too. So, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're kind of at a turning point where I think oil and gas operators are becoming more comfortable with that risk. Plus, you know, this works at almost any scale. So like they can always, they start with like a small amount of risk and then they, you know, they like almost as a case study for their business. Some of these guys have so many, so many wells that, you know, they could, they could mine just tons of Bitcoin. And I think someday they will, but, you know, they can, they start with one little thing and then they, they have their engineers measure it. And, you know, a year later they look at, at the results and they're like, uh, yeah, we should probably do that on these wells, on that well, um, anything that we got going in the Eagleford, uh, anything in the powder river that we're flaring on the regulators are getting crazy. Biden just joined the, the plant, you know, the, the Paris climate accord, like let's, let's do it here. This we've proven concept. Let's go. Like, I think we're getting to that point. Um, but again, these, these decisions take time. These are slow moving companies. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of decisions and meetings need to be had and, and, and that's where we're at. I mean, it's exciting times. This is, this is 21st century wildcatting, right? If you don't know what wildcatting is, those are the guys that went out and, you know, just went out and found oil, right? They, they were the explorers that just, you know, headed West and drilled on land that they purchased and hoped to God that they, they hit some crude oil. Man, that sounds super awesome. And, you know, forgive me for saying, you know, what risk before, because I think that to me and you, 
it's obvious, you know, it's, it's, it's like, man, th- it, in our heads. And I guess that's just because we're Bitcoiners. Um, it, it just makes perfect sense. But I, I understand that from their perspective, they, they, they've never had their feet wet and man, it's just so exciting to hear the, it's hear you say these things and Denver, what, like, if you know, that's a great point. Let me yeah. touch on that. Cause, cause you're right. It's, this is what the way I would say it, like in a, in a professional sense, if you will, is, you know, Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining specifically, it's, it's an emerging and a very serious energy demand market. Okay. It's an energy demand market. You can sell your energy to it, right? It's like a direct to consumer energy energy market. It's a secondary one to the only energy market we've ever known, which is human beings and their consumption of energy. Um, so this is this is a new frontier. And so at the end of the day, they maybe weren't taking as they weren't seeing Bitcoin as serious of an energy consumption market as it is. And as they begin to understand, you know, the, the scope and the size of, of, of Bitcoin's energy consumption market, and especially how efficient that market is, um, they're going to leverage it to their benefit. They're going to leverage that network as a tool to make them better operators, better, you know, allocators of capital. And so that, that turning point, you're right. I, I, you and I see it as such a, a reliable, consistent and efficient energy uh, demand market, energy consumption market. And, and we leverage it as such. They're going to, they're going to understand that at some point. Right. They're going to take they're going to realize the scope and the seriousness of this energy consumption market. But it takes time. And I, th- I think they'll they'll be they'll be bigger, bull, uh, more bullish oil and gas uh, Bitcoiners than there are any other kind of Bitcoiners. Absolutely. Man. It's look, the writing's on the wall. Right. And the uh, writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall. And I, and, you know, the, I, I kind of want to focus on how much this is going to change the world. You know, it's going to fundamentally change how we look at excess energy, right? It, it, you know, if, for example, like if you are, uh, it's going to reshape how humans organize, you know, because now all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's all about energy transportation, right? If, if you have this, you know, awesome energy producing resource, but you're in the middle of nowhere, it's basically worthless until now, right? Um, well, yes, exactly. And, and beyond and beyond just you know the the transportation, it's really about the economics of investing in energy production and power generation, right? Because the economics are what drive is, is what drives innovation. And currently, you know, you have a lot of people that talk about green energy and and, and renewable energy, and and the, what they're talking about is usually wind and solar. Um, or what is referred to as intermittent energy. And the bottom line is they suck. They right? suck. Economic, I'm so glad suck. you said that. I'm so they glad suck. you said that. <laughs> they, they do. They suck. They, from an investment point of view, they suck. I mean, to build a wind farm or a solar farm and, you know, from, from an investment point of view and project out your ROI, I mean, it's, it's not great. It's really not. It's very unattractive. Now, Unless you can get a lot of subsidies from the government and all these kickbacks and like, you know, these uh, these corners get cut for you. These regulatory corners get cut for you because you're you're you know, there's this moral high ground to it. There's this, you know, saving the planet, you know, undertone. Um, But without those and without intricate financing, right, a lot of times because you're doing this, you get all these intricate financing bonuses and and, you know, your dollar just stretches so much further than your dollar does investing in, you know, trying to to build an engine uh, like a a natural gas engine Um, because of that, then it starts to look almost attractive, right? It becomes this crony capitalistic game where they're trying to shape the market to innovate the way that they want it to innovate. And and it's not, they're not effective at it, right? Regulators are not as effective as they think they are. It's such a scam. Green energy is a scam. Oh no! the The term "green energy" is a marketing term, nothing more. It's just it's a scam in that way. It's an absolute joke. I'm, and, and we I'm, could I'm, talk about that, but I, mean, I'm, I, that, I definitely want to head to that because that just touches my heart a little bit. Um, it, no, but so like, I, enter I, would Bitcoin it be, mining. Would it be crazy to say? Mining. Would it be crazy to say, Denver, that Bitcoin mining is to use that term right is the most green version of using energy? It really is, and it's going to actually. It's going to actually change the world rather than artificially creating 
these energy producing sources that don't that aren't efficient at all. It, Bitcoin mining has the potential to actually make the world more green, to use their words, right? Than any well, of the garbage that they use. No, I'd say I'd say Bitcoin makes any primary energy source greener. Makes every primary energy source greener. So could you right? so um, could you it, break it, down it, as to why Denver? Because I want to hear it from yeah, your Yeah, so mouth. let me put it break so it just, down. I'll just get I'll give a great example, like a, a simple example, I guess. So, you know, for example, um, let's talk about solar or either solar or wind. We could kind of, you know, interchange that. But like, so say there's an emerging community, um, a rural community in Africa or South America that's, you know, maybe a couple, uh, a thousand people strong and they pretty much don't have electricity. Maybe they have like intermittent, maybe even a couple of days of the week, um, but certainly what you wouldn't you wouldn't call reliable and and uh economic and i guess prevalent electricity electricity is really the thing that pushed that has given humans all the luxuries that we have today i think this is important worth noting just i mean whoever's listening to this wherever you are pretty much anything you're wearing everything you're doing everything around you is a result of electricity it wouldn't have been produced um had electricity not been invented or or been you know been uh economic and available so giving humans electricity that they that they can then leverage throughout their everyday lives is one of the like best ways to push any kind of community forward right just increase the quality of life i mean if you look at power density per capita statistics i mean if you look at you know childbirth rates life expectancy health um i mean it's all of the all of the stats go up the higher the the energy consumption per capita. So I'm a strong believer that energy consumption is is really what pushes the world forward, pushes innovation. Um, and it just, the problem is that it doesn't make sense to, for example, build a solar farm and go help this emerging community in rural Africa, rural South America, and give them this electricity that could just utterly better their lives. And then it allowed the community to grow and expand and develop and, and participate in a global in a global globalized kind of market and world. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful story, but you can't do it for a profit, right? You can't build, I mean, you can hard, you can't even get your money back not even close. So it's, it's like you have, it has to be like a charity to do this. And then the problem is, is that it has to be able to sustain itself economically. It has to be economically worth maintaining and potentially even growing to keep up with this community. And, and it's just, it's not a very attractive investment, but if you enter Bitcoin, enter Bitcoin mining, what Bitcoin mining allows, allows for is, Hey, let me say it this way. Why, why, is it, why is it not economic? Let's just let's solve that. The problem is, in order for me to build a solar farm that, that generates a, a reasonable amount of electricity so that this community can grow and you know, I can provide them economic electricity, electricity they can afford, it might even be free for the you know, first little bit, um, I, I need to do it at, at a relative scale. So I need to generate a good amount of electricity. I need to buy a lot of solar panels and those are expensive and I need to install and all this. And I can only sell as much as this community demands. So like if they're not demanding very much electricity, especially in the beginning, they won't be um, like we're talking 20, 30 years, 40 years. When am I going to actually make my money back on these solar panels? Enter Bitcoin mining. Well, now it might make sense because I can build this solar farm and I can give this community as much electricity as they demand. And with any other, any of the excess electricity, any of the other electricity that they're not demanding, I can sell it to Bitcoin because before Bitcoin, if I couldn't sell it to them, I would be producing all this electricity using the sun and it would just sit there. And then, you know, it, it, I, it'd, it'd be over, right? I can only use as much as I, I have on hand and that's what I'm producing, right? I'd, I'd need some kind of a massive battery in order to, in order to do that. Um, and, and that's not available in the marketplace. So why do you think that it's so rampant? I see it very I see it as a form of control. I see it very nefarious. Why is it so rampant, Denver? Why is this idea of 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 green energy, the idea of green energy, why is it so rampant? I think it's a scam. I think it's a form of control. I think it's a hindrance on 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 the economy in general. 
Why is it so rampant? And I know that these people are going to be the same people that are going to go after Bitcoin. There already are. You kind of see articles everywhere where it's like Bitcoin uses more energy than the country of Denmark, which is true, right? But what they, but the devil's in the details. They don't understand that the energy that Bitcoin is using was energy that was was going to go to waste anyways, right? So why is this well, me, idea I'll of green this. energy so rampant? And it's, it's poisonous, in my opinion. Well, I think it's, like I said before, I think it's a marketing term, right? So, and I think it needs to be a marketing term because here's the thing, you have, they're, they're selling something. They're selling the idea that one way of producing energy is immoral and another way of producing energy is moral. And the reason that they need to sell that idea is they need to raise tax dollars. <laughs> they need to get votes <laughs> and they, they need to, they need to get money um, in order to go, you know, do this. And I think at the end of the day, it's because solar and wind can't compete with other forms of electricity production. So in order to compete, they need subsidies in order to get subsidies, you need tax dollars. So it's a, it's a moral story. They, they, they try to claim that power, you know, generating electricity is, can be done in this very immoral way or in this, you know, renewable green, like literally, you know, perfect. It's almost like just making energy out of the air um, way. And it, and that's just not the, it's just, it's, it's a logical fallacy, right? If you look at the, I mean, just take a look at every renewable production line. First of all, they all rely, rely upon petroleum products to be produced, maintained and disposed of. Um, they have incredible waste especially solar. If you look at the, the refining of rare earth minerals, first of all, they're mined in like, you know, countries where there, there may or may not be slaves working in these mines. Um, and then they're refined. And, and for the most part, all of them are refined in China. And the reason they're refined there is because they produce incredible amounts of horrible waste that's extremely expensive and, and nasty to deal with on the disposal side of things um, in order to refine these rare earth minerals. and therefore produce um, solar panels. And then they need to ship them, right? They need to distribute them. I mean, it's not like they have a solar powered barge going across the Atlantic with, with these solar panels. I mean, come on. Um, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a joke. So it's petroleum through and through, but at the end of the day, you have this, you know, it's like, oh, it's making electricity out of the sun. It's clean. And it's like, well, it had, it had like a significantly more substantial impact on the environment long before it ever produced a single watt of electricity. Before it produces even a single watt, it's got to have all of this. All of this petroleum is, and energy and time is required to produce this solar panel before it ever produces one single watt of electricity. So how many watts does it have to produce in order to, to make back what was put into it? And you run those economics and you're like, how long does a solar panel last? It's like, oh, 14 years. It's like, oh, the ROI on the, on the energy put into it is 37 years. So like this thing doesn't make sense. Um, not yet. I mean, we need to, we need to advance. We need to get better at, you know, we, using other materials. We need to be, get better at refining and there, there needs to be technological advancement. It's not there yet. I don't, I think it will get there. And I think there's awesome applications for things like solar and wind. I don't think they're all stupid. I mean, if I have a house out in the middle of the mountains, which, which I plan to have here shortly, um, you know, I think I'm going to generate power from solar. I mean, it makes sense. I'm, if I'm going to be way out in the middle of nowhere, it makes sense to have a backup diesel generator and a, and some solar panels on my roof. I mean, it's just practical, but to try to like replace all grid infrastructure and, ele and electricity that's used on the grid with renewables, like just swap them out is, is a ludicrous idea. It's, it's, it's totally impossible, impractical. And they need to, they need to say that it's moral in order to justify. Yeah. That's the, you know, I, th I think you touched, uh, I think you, you hit the nails on the a nail on the head, uh, Denver, like it, I don't think people understand the amount of subsidy, the amount of support from the government to maintain the economics of quote unquote green energy. And, you know, th that's why I say it's a, that's why I say it's a total scam. And, 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 yeah, uh, and from the petroleum industry, I mean, from the actual oil and gas industry, without the oil and gas industry, you can't even produce renewables. You can't, you can't produce, maintain or dispose of a windmill without, petroleum products and the petroleum industry. So it's, it's completely reliant upon the petroleum industry. So the vilification of, of the, of, you know, 
oil and gas and and this idea of like just like swapping them out like just literally like okay take off all this and put in windmills it's just it's not even a conversation it's it's so impractical and ultimately it'll never happen because it's full they're fully reliant upon the oil and gas industry so i i just find it to be this you know then people vilify you as a person that wants to destroy the planet and i'm like you have no idea like this is that's the opposite the best and most impactful environmentalist i've ever met worked in the oil and gas industry right i mean that's just a fact right is and these these guys have no they don't they don't want to just destroy the earth i mean these guys are stewards of the earth it's it's so it's it's a total fallacy and um you know i I can get heated about it but at the end of the day the good news is the truth and the numbers um and the reality is really on on our side that look energy production is energy production and there are ways to do it much more efficiently and much more in a, in a practical way. Good thing is Bitcoin mining now, though, take a look at solar and wind. They might actually be practical to some degree because you can you can sell that energy to Bitcoin and then, you know, put in more R&D into to better manufacturing and and uh, better supply lines and becoming more efficient, becoming, you know, quote unquote, less environmentally impactful. It all because the economics makes sense. People will do it. Right. People can actually make money going and helping emerging communities by and by helping them. I mean, like changing their world by giving them re- reliable and economic energy, electricity. I mean, to do that is is an amazing thing to do. It's 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 really awesome. But for it to not have to be charitable, like for it to be something that they can actually do, earn money back and then go do it again and then scale it up and then go find more people to help. Like. What a beautiful thing, right? Exactly. So Bitcoin mining, exactly. Bitcoin mining is the greenest, right? It's the greenest form of it all. Exactly. It, it, it now and 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 this is a perfect segue into my next question, Denver. It, it becomes rather than you know charity before now it becomes self sustaining, right? Exactly. And what are the ramifications of that? They're absolutely enormous. Could you touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, they're enormous. You're right. Like that, and that's the the problem is like even if you we're able to get a charity together and like build a solar farm for this, this community. And, you know, it's like, well, okay, what about 15 years from now? Like, what about, like, is there going to be enough money to just keep burning money on maintaining this thing? Um, like, and just losing money year over year, like are people are just going to keep donating. And that's, that's the cause is we burn money to, to help these people. Like, that's a horrible, like, that's a nice thing to do. It's a really crappy way to do it. Um, you know, this, this makes it make sense to go and, and innovate and power the world um, and do so in a way that is very efficient. And so, and the reason that it's unique kind of to Bitcoin is, I mean, data centers in the oil field aren't, aren't all that new, right? So it's, if there are, if there are places where you have a ton of, like a ton of natural gas, where it actually like, it does make sense to build a pipeline because you have so much natural gas and you're commingling it from a lot of different wells. Like there's already been, been instances of, companies going and using their their data centers in the oil field right like because it's just cheap power you know companies like big companies i'm not sure if these names but companies like amazon microsoft like because they they have massive data centers all over the all over the country and all, all over the world their number one cost is electricity and so they've already looked into you know off-grid uh, economic power generation the problem is is that they have such a demand for security and consistency like if if the wells go down and, and, and they have to be at a really big scale for it to make economic sense with Bitcoin, because it's so flexible, um, you know, you can turn miners on and off. Like if, if it's wasted energy, if your if your well starts to go down and some of your miners shut off um, on your flare gas well, right? Like you don't mind because like you only need, you only need those miners to turn on anytime that you're going to be flaring gas. And the whole purpose of them is to just get rid of this waste rather than like this, Hey, we, we want, you know, one cent electricity so that we can mine a lot of Bitcoin. It's more just about, Hey, you know, anytime that we're producing this energy, we're going to bring it to market, right? Just because we're an efficient business, we're, we're, you know, a forward thinking producer, we're going to, we're going to bring all the energy that we produce to market by these different means, because we now have the tools to do so. And so like, it, it just makes guys want to go invest in energy, want to invest in, in power generation build new ways, build new kinds of engines, more efficient ways, use different primary sources of energy. Think about hydroelectric. It might make sense to build a dam now, even though there's not very many people living around the dam. Um, it might make sense to spend a ton of money, build a dam and give all of them 
economic electricity because until they demand a ton of electricity, we'll just mine Bitcoin. And then once the town grows and once they demand more, we'll give them more and we'll, we'll, we'll you know, shut down some of, some of our Bitcoin miners and go put them elsewhere. Like it, it's just a, a really, really powerful energy tool that, that's going to be leveraged by the entire world. And you're right, it's, it's impossible to measure, <laughs> to measure these implications. I mean, I, I think we're just scratching the surface from, even with what we're talking, talking about now. It makes sense to, to give, I mean, everyone should have their, the ability to, to generate power you know, at their own home, I think. I think if you can generate your own electricity, it makes sense to now because anytime you generate more than you need, you can sell it. Absolutely, man. It's going to radically transform planet Earth. It's it, the mere fact that we have figured out how to monetize cheap energy, stranded energy is going to change the way that humans organize. And uh, I, it, man, it makes me so bullish. But I feel like I feel like, uh, I, feel like it, I feel like it's very hard to see Denver for people that are not into mining. Right. I think you, you need the only way to really appreciate uh, and to understand the magnitude of how radical this change is going to be for the better. Um, you really need to have at least at least dip your toes, you know, um, mining a little bit. And then, you know, just your mind gets blown. How do you think the world's going to be 10 years from now? Oh, man, that's a. It's a crazy question. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think oil and gas producers, I think they're going to be the biggest, the biggest Bitcoin miners, I think in North America, at least. Um, but, you know, what's even, what's even possible by the end of this decade, but I think it kind of feels more and more like an inevitability is nation states, right? We've already seen Venezuela is a great example where they have, I mean, Venezuela has more oil and gas reserves or, or assets um, you know, on their, underneath their land than I think any other country. Um, I think like they're potentially number one. Um, they have so, they're very energy rich and yet, you know, they're still a, a, a very low, lowly developed country in the sense of, you know, they don't have mass metropolises and, you think they would because no, they, they energy they, they they do, dude. Because I, I started mining in Venezuela. My family's from Venezuela. Venezuela. The problem is that we we uh, but we took they're, they're sanctioned to death. Is what we, the, is what I mean. It's like yeah, but because we, they can't participate. They're not they, allowed to participate they, on, the, on the global energy market like they want to. Do you know what the Dutch curse is? Uh, it's it's yeah. It's, a, it's a, yeah. So you know what the Dutch curse is. So the Dutch curse is, is essentially what happens to countries that are extremely resource rich. You would think that these countries would be extremely successful and all that, but what tends to happen is that the corruption goes through the roof, and uh, you know the 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 actual wealth of these natural resources only concentrates to the hands of the few. And what happens in Venezuela, unfortunately, is you know they 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 took the left turn and they went through the socialism route. And uh, unfortunately, it just completely bankrupted the country. And it's, it's, you know what, and I've been trying to go back to Venezuela, but the security on the ground is, is, is a difficult situation. But man, the opportunities there to mine Bitcoin is mine. Oh yeah, exactly. It's mine. That's what I mean is, but like part, part of the issue is, you know, and really what I'm speaking about also is the Venezuelan dollar, right? I mean, it's like that they're the Venezuelan peso. it, It absolutely, uh, it, it, it fluctuates and, and, you know, inflates at ridiculous rates, along with a couple other nation, nations that, that have really, really, you know, insane hyperinflation economic situations right now. But, you know, you'd think that they would be, because of this energy, that they would be able to participate on the global energy market and like leverage this resource to, to at least not be like, you know, having this hyperinflation of their currency and things. And so, and, and, and one of the reasons that they have, you know, there's a lot of issues is they're sanctioned. Um, and so one thing that Bitcoin mining, you know, the, the way in which it, it impacts the world on this kind of international relations scale is you have co- countries like Venezuela, they can actually take those resources um, of which natural gas is one of them, and they can mine a ton of Bitcoin with it. And then they can take that Bitcoin and they can go, 
they can settle trade with their Turkish partners, with their Iranian partners, with, with other people on the global on the global stage. They can participate in the global market and settle tr international trade, and they never enter the U.S. dollar, right? And the fact that they never enter, they not even they didn't even touch the U.S. dollar, which all international trade for the most part is settled in the U.S. dollar, especially when it comes to energy. And so this is like this is a way in which for them to store their resources in a way that can't be sanctioned, it can't be frozen, the government can't step in and stop them from using it to trade. Um, I mean, like, and that's not just for Venezuela, that's for Iran, that's for Russia, that's for, you know, any of these countries that have, um, that are rich in hydrocarbons, especially rich in, in efficient energy sources, they, they now can leverage this tool on an international stage to sit, to snub their nose at, which is right now the US and say, hey, your, your US sanctions on, your sanctions on the dollar mean nothing to us. We can deal. We can deal in this other currency. We can settle it, and you can't stop us. And beyond that, you can't stop us from selling our energy to the Bitcoin network. I mean, we they could do it with crude. They could fire up boilers in Iran and Russia. They could use all the crude oil that they produce and sell it right to Bitcoin. Generate electricity with it and sell it to Bitcoin. Yeah, um, it, it's you know, it, it, it's, it it's, changes the entire global game. It's inevitable, and it's already starting to happen. Right. It's already starting to happen in Iran. It's already starting to happen slowly, in Venezuela yes. slowly. Uh, but you see the signs and it's starting to happen. It's inevitable. And it's really liberating, man, because the U.S. It, it just it, it's weaponized the dollar and it really hasn't made the world a better place. You know, it just makes the U.S. kind of like this supreme dictator of, you know, I get to decide you know, what you should and you should not do. But at the same time, the U.S. is guilty of the things that it's accusing other countries of, you know, so. It, it's, well, like here, here's a good example, too, is, is, you know, there's all these people that are that, that um, vote for one person, one candidate. And in this particular situation, I'm talking about Biden, right? They vote for Biden because of these energy, these climate initiatives and things. And but they nobody would pay attention to the fact that meanwhile, like they're, you know, even Biden and his, his family and himself were involved in companies in other countries like the Ukraine doing mining oil and gas or drilling for oil and gas and, you know, using hydrocarbons. Like they're okay with, with producing hydrocarbons outside of the country, but they're, they're not okay with doing it inside the country. It's like the, for some reason, none of these kinds of facts and things seem to be a relevant part of any kind of discussion about, you know, energy production and what ends up being like the morality of it, which I think is, just kind of a sophomoric way to think about it, you know? Well, that, that's why that's why I kept saying, like, you know, green energy is a scam, you know, because if you really dig deep into it, you understand the economics of it and they don't make any sense whatsoever. And you understand that it's exactly what you said. They're, no, they're, they're doing this green energy for the votes and for the tax dollars. They're not actually doing it for the reasons, you know, that they advertise, right? So it's yeah, the biggest- Yeah, that's what gets me fired up because it's like they try to tell you, like, that you don't care about the earth. I'm like- like, I want to have kids. Like, I don't want my kids to be breathing in smog. Like, like, are, are you, are they, do they think I'm absolutely insane? I'm just this like shadowy character. I'm the shadowy, you know, tyrant that wants to burn the earth and, and get rich. Like, like, I don't understand how somebody can have such a like vehemently negative perspective when in my mind, I'm looking at, at these, this industry and the, and the people that, that operate in it. And they're trying to change the world for the better every day. I mean, they work their ass off to do it. And and they don't complain much either. And they get on all they get is shit. And yet they keep trucking on and they keep innovating. And I'm like, man, I, I feel like there's such a level of respect that's due to these people. And instead they get ridiculed um, because of this moral high ground about about wind and solar. I'm like, this is really what this is, is this is a symptom of ignorance is people. obviously They don't have the understanding of how energy is produced. And I think if they understood it, they would come to much different conclusions about about how the world works and and you know certainly about what's right and wrong or what's better and worse. I mean, yes, there's there, there's bad things to all sides of it, but you know that's part of that. There's always trade-offs. I mean, producing energy in and of itself has trade-offs, and so, but but we need to we need to also look at the good that that you know electricity brings. I mean, because in my mind, I can hardly find anything in my my day-to-day -day activity where I, I would be able to enjoy such a luxury without electricity i mean it is the ultimate luxury provider right there with like you know it's 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 with food and water at this point in terms of in terms of how most um you know in the western world especially live their lives it's um and it's a good thing it makes it makes life better and it it, it empowers humans it empowers individuals
Of course. It's just funny because all these people that, you know, are preaching this green energy stuff, you know, it, 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 they're not willing to give up electricity either. You know, I, I, I think I saw John Kerry, uh, you know, he was like flying on a private plane, you know, to each one of these places, you know, but he's the one that's still preaching, you know, we, we got to waste less, even though he's taking a private plane and flying across the world to specific locations, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, and they'll, they'll never consider, they'll never consider the amount of data it takes for them to upload 7,000 video, you know, 7,000 hours of Instagram HD video to, to the cloud um, every day, right? Like it's, a, you know, I mean, it's like 7,000 hours of, of, of all their, their videos of them just dancing to some song. Like there's an environmental impact there, right? Yeah. That data being stored on a server somewhere and that server is using electricity. It's not running off of, you know, just everyone's, everyone's posts it's there, there's electricity involved in, in, in this there, honestly what's funny is complaining on the internet it's like you're complaining about electricity th through an electrical medium i mean it's like this it's such a it's such an ironic you know situation when you i see things like that i'm like man the, the amount of the amount of you know your carbon impact from this youtube upload complaining about carbon impact is laughable um so it's like but they don't want to have that conversation. They just want to look at the people that are like, yeah, but you drill a hole in the ground. It's like, okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's all for votes. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely BS, but you know what? I have hope because it looks like Bitcoin is, is going to definitely push the world in a better direction. And it's already been red pilling so many people and awakening them from the matrix, man, because essentially all these people are just sleeping. They're still stuck in the matrix and uh, Bitcoin has a way of revealing the truth. That being said, man, this has been awesome. I kind of end the podcast with uh, speculation territory and- uh, Yeah, let's do it. And, you know, I just, it's very bullet point answers. So the first thing I'm gonna ask you is where do you think the price of Bitcoin is gonna be at the end of 2020? Well, I'm already published on record saying that uh, I think I was calling for north of seventy five thousand by the end of the year, but I, I mean I I, I think twenty twenty one is going to be a big year. So I mean I, I I'm just I'm such a Bitcoin bull. I think a lot of miners are that it's really hard for any any information to extinguish the bullish flame inside of me. So you know it's part it's part of you know understanding how it relates to energy. But yeah, I think seventy five thousand by the end of the year is is. 75,000. All right. Humble, humble. Okay. Um, what about uh, Bitcoin price end of 2030? Oh, um, I mean, I could see north of a million dollars for sure. I mean, I think Bitcoin's, I think Bitcoin's going to be a, you know, $25 trillion asset. So yeah, I could say, I'd say one and a half million dollars by 2030. Absolutely. I love that. I completely agree. Definitely going to be there. I'm, you're a little bearish on 2021. I was thinking, you know, between 100 and 200. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know, everyone's got different opinions. Uh, anyways, guys, this was one of my favorite podcasts. I hope you enjoyed it. Every time I have a miner on here, I, I have such a great time and uh, learning how uh, Denver uses you know, uh, flared excess energy is absolutely, it was so interesting to me. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can find more, uh, you can find out more about Denver on Twitter. You can go check him out at, at Denver Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, he, he works at business development for upstream data link. And of course he mines Bitcoin. You could find his works on Bitcoin magazine and Coinbase. And of course he has a link to his medium. You could definitely go check that out. I'll put it down in the link description of this podcast. Anyways, guys, tune in to the next one.